The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook Podcast for the month of September is Zero Mile Mark. Zero Mile Mark is a veteran-owned company that strives to offer high-quality, active, outdoor sports gear. They are on mission to get people outdoors by offering an array of products like tents, backpacks, hammocks, sleeping bags, lighting, and more. All sales have a 30-day warranty and ship via two-day shipping to 97% of the United States. And get this deal. For a limited time only, listeners can head over to ZeroMileMark.com and take advantage of their free tent promotion. Yes, you heard that right. If you'll get online, add any item into the shopping cart that exceeds $30, a tent will appear automatically for $0. It's a free tent, easy checkout, and fast shipping. And guys, I have this tent. I also have a backpack from there and can testify it's great quality. It's a real deal. And Brian, the owner, is a really cool guy. I want you guys to get some stuff, get some products, get this free tent, and get outdoors. Enjoy your life. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 58. We're continuing the Worldview series, and today I want to talk to you about gender and sexuality. Let's pray. Father, I don't have to tell people that this is a sensitive topic because we turn the TV on or we open up the computer or phone and we see how our world is torn over gender and sexuality. And it's not just the world, it's our churches that are confused on how to approach this particular topic. Help us to untie some of these cultural knots because in your word, they're very clear. And so help us to lean into your word. And God, I pray for the pastors out there that you would help them to be equipped to train our people to think rightly, to love well, but to not be scared of the truth. And so help us. I trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we get going, I want to remind you about the giveaway with Zero Mile Mark that we have going on. If you want to get a free tent and a 35-liter day pack, well then jump on to Facebook and Twitter and follow the link, and you can sign up at King Sumo. For the giveaway, Zero Mile Mark is our sponsor for the month of September. you want to check that out. And really, I'm doing these kind of outdoor giveaways because I'm wanting to get you outdoors. Pastors, let's get outside. Get outside the office. Let's get into the wilderness. Let's get out on the trail. Do, just do something. And you say, well, that's not my thing. I've never done that before. Well, sign up for the giveaway. If you win, well, maybe you can try it. And you may not like it, but at least you will have tried something new. So go sign up, and maybe you'll be the winner. Okay, Luke chapter 9. As we talk about gender and sexuality, this passage, I think, is crucial for several reasons. And as I get to talking through these two particular topics, you'll see why. But let's read the passage first, and then we'll dive in. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. This is absolutely crucial for helping believers navigate modern issues. It's crucial. Now, why? Because Christians who are following Christ do not have the liberty of being ashamed of God's word. 
And if you're not ashamed of God's word, you're going to open yourself to, up to hostility from the world who is opposed to God's word. And that's what we see right now. If you're going to believe all that the Bible believes and teach all that the, the Bible teaches, pastor, soon to be pastor, elder, if you're going to do that, well, eventually what this world is saying about the Bible, they're going to say about you. And so terms like bigot, you're a hate monger, you're all these things are going to be said about you as well because they're being said by the word. We have to, really have to, grow a spine and train our people to grow a spine as well. But the way we do that is to teach them about the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture. We don't get the liberty of being ashamed of God's Word. That's just clear in the Bible. We don't get to do that. So those who are opposed to God's Word will look to us and call us arrogant, prideful, fill in the blank, whatever. And we're just going to be saying, hey, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus and I'm just trying to be faithful to God's Word here. And so I'm going to lean into what God has to say. Now, let's consider the two things we're talking about today and not being ashamed of what God has to say about it. Number one, gender. Gender is not fluid. Imagine our world right now, in our world right now, a biology teacher at a secular university actually having the audacity to say that gender is not fluid or that gender is not binary. We have gone so woke in our society that we are losing the ability to say anything about science even. It's not just that moral truth is being abandoned and that it is offensive to speak of moral truth being applicable, you know, to everybody. Now, scientific research or scientific data can actually be done because we are, we're so woke now. If a biology teacher says that there's only two genders, they, I mean, just imagine that on a university campus right now, a biology teacher saying that. They're going to get fired. Thanks, Zootopia, for teaching us nonsense like that. Okay, so what does God have to say about gender? Well, common sense has been completely thrown out the window and abandoned, but the Bible's clear. God made male and female. I mean, it's just 100% clear. I just read it in my Bible reading challenge this morning in Genesis, starting in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and here it is on the pages of Scripture, Genesis 1, 27. So God created man. That is the name for mankind. Okay, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, male and female. God created them. But in a culture and a society where common sense is thrown out the window, simple things like that from God are looked at as wrong. And people say insane things like, gender is between the ears. Thanks, Chaz Bono. Gender is between the ears, not between the legs. Sorry for the crudeness there. But that's the world we live in today. So we're either going to bow to culture, we're going to bow to the world and say, okay, well, because this is offensive, we're going to bend the truth for the sake of people and call it love. And the reality is bending the truth for the sake of, quote unquote, for the sake of people, that's actually hate. But see, in an upside down world we live in, we don't know what love and hate is. We confuse it. But it's actually hateful to say to people who are doing things that violate God's word, hey, you're okay. That's actually hateful. But God clearly made male and female. Men are to be men. Women are to be women. That's the confusion that was happening in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11 in that famous passage about, you know, uh, head coverings that everybody loves. And if you've missed my series on complementarianism, you can go back. There's a seven-part series on complementarianism where I dive in to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And that's kind of the, the jumping point, the launching point, point for that series. And you can go back and listen to that where I'm wanting to equip you to talk about complementarianism in a beautiful way because that's how the Bible speaks of it. And 
that passage also is has bearing on today because people in Corinth were abandoning binary roles. Men were not wanting to be men and women were not wanting to be, be women. And they weren't acting like that was a big deal. They were rejecting some of the same things that people are rejecting in our day. The, ge- the gender roles were reversed or fluid. And so Paul appeals to natural law and to common sense. Men be men, women be women. And friends, that's what we need today. As offensive as it may sound, who cares? We are not allowed to be ashamed of God's word. Men are called to be men. Women are called to be women. That's how God created them. And that's not hateful. That's just trying to be faithful to God's word. Okay, now, three things to consider as we close up the section on gender. We don't have to apologize about this. That's number one. We don't have to apologize for God's word. This is loving to speak about these things in the way that God calls us to speak about these things. Number two, we don't have to nuance it away either. We don't have to have 50 caveats when we talk about gender from the Bible to try to soften the blow. The blow can't be softened in our world today. To speak about these things at all is going to bring arrows from everybody. There's no amount of nuance that you can say. If you just say gender is not fluid, it's binary, there's no way to say that and be non-offensive in our world today. We just have to not be ashamed of God's word. And number three, I do realize with one caveat or one, one nuance that there are some people born with both X and Y chromosomes. The hermaphrodite is a person created in the image of God. And in these cases, wisdom needs to be applied, wisdom needs to be used, and the male-female traits that are within a person, eventually what happens with, with most hermaphrodites is that a male or female traits will begin to dominate. And that is a case that happens in 0.01% of the people who are born. And some say more, some say less. Today, the, the number goes way up because woke culture wants it to go wake up. But the, the baseline statistic that I've seen is anywhere between 0.01% and 0.005%. So it's very, very rare. But the fact that there are hermaphrodites shows what Jesus says to be true, that some are born eunuchs. And for those people who are created in the image of God, they're created fully in the image of God, whenever those male-female traits begin to dominate, it seems to me the best thing to do would be to follow those dominant traits. Now, I realize that can be somewhat confusing, but that's the wisdom that, that we have from God's Word applied to that particular situation. So that's, that's gender. Now, number two, sexuality. Sexuality. The Bible calls all sex outside of male-female marriage sin. This needs to be taught to our people. It's not just that homosexual sin is the only kind of sin that's condemned in the Bible. All sex outside of male-female marriage is sin. Any other behavior is sinful. And to say this does not mean that I'm saying that I hate the teenage boy and girl who are sleeping together. Okay? (laughs) That's a huge jump. To say that I actually hate everybody or somebody who holds the position, the, the biblical position, hates people who are walking in sexual sin is, is simply false. It's not true at all. I don't hate teenagers who are sleeping together, but what they're doing is sin. That's what the Bible says. I don't hate adulterous people. You know, a married, married couple who commits adultery, I don't hate them, but sex outside of marriage is sinful. And it's actually hateful to say otherwise. It's very hateful to say to, to people who are in adulterous affairs or teenagers who are sleeping together, hey, everything's okay, you keep doing that. That's hateful. 
But it's not hateful to tell them, that's sin. You should stop doing that. And if you claim to be a believer, my goodness, you should stop doing that. You should abandon that. If you don't claim to be a believer, you're not walking by the same authority that we're walking by. It's still sin, but if you are a believer, there's actually no, no excuse. You have to repent of that sin, deny your sinful desires, and walk in obedience. Now, the same thing applies to homosexuality. I don't hate homosexuals, but sex outside of male-female marriage is sinful. And homosexual sex is condemned in the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament. And according to the Bible, marriage has a definition. So there's no such thing as same-sex marriage because marriage is defined by male-female. The man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, Romans 1 tells us what's going to happen with homosexuality in particular. Romans 1 tells us that people are going to suppress the truth and they're going to start uh, denying the cultural mandate. They're going to look to God and they're going to say, life ends with me. We will not procreate. We will not fill this earth and subdue it. Life is going to end with me. And they're going to turn life on itself and begin to sleep with one another. And they're going to suppress the truth. Now, that is the uniqueness of homosexuality because it looks to God and that cultural mandate and says, absolutely not, life ends with me, I am the point. But in our world today, we have abandoned biblical truth and we have done exactly what Romans 1.32 says, and here's what it says. Though they, do not, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Consider the insanity of pride festivals, being proud of sexual rebellion against God. This is what our world is doing, and we don't hate them. That's why we have to tell people that is sin. It's a violation of God's word. And you may come back and say, okay, but what about people's sexual desire? Are you telling people that in all sorts of sexual desire, that sexual desire is bad? Um, yes. All people have sexual desires that go unmet. And as we get back to Luke chapter 9, we have to consider sexual desire in the realm of the self. In, in our world that says to affirm yourself or love yourself, the self-love culture is huge. Our world says, love yourself, do what you affirm, and follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's what he says. And so for anybody that's struggling with sexual sin, the call to become a Christian is to deny yourself. It's a call of self-denial. We all have sexual sins that we have to deny. When I have thoughts about a woman that's not my wife, I don't gather people around me and say, please, everyone affirm this. And woman, I should be able to sleep with you that's not my wife because I have this strong urge and desire that I was born with. No, I should do deny that sexual desire, deny it, and follow Jesus. I should not affirm that sexual desire. Des- sinful desire is not self-affirming. We are called to deny sinful desire. And God is the one who created sex, so he knows how it works. And sex in the context of male-female marriage is a beautiful thing that's intended to be better and better over time. God is not some killjoy. He created it. Now, as we train our people to do this, to lean into God's word and not be ashamed of God's word, that is the crucial principle to remember. Simply don't be ashamed of God's word. And then a lot of these 
confusing topics that are out there today start making a lot of sense because we're leaning into God's Word and God's Word's really clear on these issues. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.